Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Career Lounge. I'm your host, Jabil. How many of you are still in your first job? Like maybe you have been in your first job for one, two years, but what about more than a decade? I think not many of us in this era still do that. But my guest today actually is still in the financial planning profession for more than a decade. So today I'm going to unearth and unwrap all of all this, how he stays on, how he persevered through and how he's using other platforms like TikTok to push forth a lot of his content and tips on financial planning and personal growth. Let me introduce with this. Hey, hi, Javel. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure why you call yourself introvert though, because I, I don't feel that you are ever since we, we started talking post my comment yep. on TikTok. I think it was uh, it's during my early 20s or, or I think before I become a financial advisor, to be honest, ask me to talk to strangers and stuff. It's like, well, it's a big thing for me here. Yeah. But it was over time then I acquired <laughs> some form of exposure and skills and Somehow from an introvert becomes, like, you know, probably what I call ambivert, like, you know, like a mixture of extra <laughs> plus intro. And over time, you think out a bit more extra now. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Maybe just to give a little bit of the context as to how I got connected to Willis, we were almost living in two different universes <laughs> on the same planet. But because I, I just went to TikTok, I was just mindlessly doom scrolling through TikTok and his videos keep appearing, but I, I didn't like take a deep look until I, I saw this video that he was like, unboxing a box of books that was, yeah. And I was like, oh, like this person reads a lot. And then later I realized that he actually read a lot of books that I also read. I was like, okay, this guy is interesting. So that's why I dropped the comment and I was like being radically and courageous to say, I, I want you to be on my show because I think there may be so much that we have in common. So that's how we started. Let's dive straight in. In the opening, I mentioned that not many of us have stayed in our first job for the longest period of time. I, I think my first job, I only was there for two years. But you, like, for 12 years and in financial planning, which is definitely not easy, especially the first couple of years, because um, I have many friends, even my sister used to be a financial planner. I understand that you were doing chemistry in university. So yep. what sparked off in that lab that didn't work out well that pushed you to doing <laughs> financial, pla financial planning? Yeah, so... I, I think, you know, how I chanced upon this uh, financial planning thing was really back in the days when I was still a year one student. The backstory is my, my dad is, uh, used to be very active in the profession and he was like saying, hey, why not just go and take this exam and all those things. I was like, well, if you ask me to take, then I'm going to take law. Anyway, do I need to pay? Say, uh, back then, uh, do I need to pay? I say, I don't need to pay for you. And I was like, okay, uh, zero <laughs> startup cost. I was like, okay, I'll try. Uh. Yeah. I think that was the beginning. Then I think in terms of mentality and mindset, I wasn't like really that serious. Like I did, I did try a bit, you know, here and there. Then also very thankful that some um, people around me, they'll be like, hey, okay, I uh, just now I'm just looking at something. Maybe let's have a chat. Yeah. So it was only in year three, year four. Then I was thinking a bit more because going to graduate. Then I was like, okay, I, I'm studying chemistry. And then you're right, the lab thing. It was the first time I see a six hours lab session. I was like, okay, la, lab, it shouldn't be too difficult, right? We just follow instructions. Yeah. So I went in and you know what? I was like one of the last few to finish this whole thing. But then I was like, I see all my you know, peers, they'll be like, it was like quite easy for them. Eh? But for me, I'm like struggling. Then that was when I realized that maybe this is not really something for me. Like, and I really don't enjoy it. Coming back, okay, I have that, that financial advisory license. But I was thinking like, have I really gave my best? Like, because a lot of people will be, will be uh, saying that I think this is not for you. You study chemistry, you can do finance, or maybe even like, hey, so many people are doing already. Uh, you should, should you want to join? Uh, just so there's a lot of this, um, I call it the noises. Like, yeah. Then for me, I think it's uh, my realization is very simple. Is in order for me to know if I'm cut out for this or if this works out for me, I need to try. 
and I, I can't try based on what other people say because they may not have tried. Just, just, just cross the bridge. Exactly. Because a lot of people will be like, you know, sometimes I ask them, so have you tried before? Or sometimes I, I, I know that they are not an FA. Yeah. They just hear say and all those things. And those, maybe those FAs that say are people who didn't, who didn't make it. I, I didn't want to just listen to people at the point of time. Yeah. So I was like, okay, try that. I knew I got two years, like year three or four. If I really can't make it, I know that there's always a full-time job out there. I think that was how it got started like, from a chemistry background, you know, finance and yeah. Then I think then fast forward, I think these days, to be honest, whatever we study is really just one thing. It should not determine what we do at the end of the day. I, I believe the first few years was quite tough. So how do you push it through? What, what were some of the struggles back then? That's when my four years of studying chemistry uh, has helped me. Because every day we talk about equations, processes, systems, and all those things. I know that the first thing that I have to sort of unlock is I need to be less of an introvert and more of an extrovert. Because at the end of the day, I think when it comes to a sales conversation, you have to be in control of the conversation. Nobody will come to you and uh, say that, you know, I want to buy a policy or, or even so. Then when you're having that 30 to 45 minutes appointment or a meeting, then obviously you got to be the one asking questions and stuff, man. So then that was when I started thinking, like, how can I be a better communicator? That was also my first time that I got exposed to self-growth, personal development. Just some backstory, I, I, I actually disliked reading books. So I had it picked up after I joined this profession. I, I know that I need to do something, you see, because if I don't do well in this profession, then I have to start acquiring skills. So I have to start acquiring that mindset and mentality that successful financial advisors uh, have. So apart from books, I also observe like all the people are doing well. And and that was when I realized that like, people who are doing well, people who are doing not, who are not really doing well, well, the way they think, the way they do things is very different. Then I start to develop that. At the start, I was like, hey, I really can't. <laughs> so, yeah. But bit by bit, long, bit by bit, first think about, okay, a 30, 45 minutes uh, appointment. Okay, and I write down uh, like the list of possible questions, the steps. Uh, if you want to ask for a, a, a close, a deal, you know, what are some of the questions that we can ask? Or you want to do some rain check if this person is just looking around of this person is like really quite serious in getting something, uh, things like that. Yeah. So I think that's more on the, uh, the skill set part. Another thing that I, I also got exposed to is the, uh, the mindset and framework law. Yeah. This profession requires a lot of self-motivation, self-discipline, especially when things are not doing good. Yeah. And I think things like that, it cannot be, it's not all suddenly one day you wake up and you become very motivated because I think motivation is a very temporary thing. <laughs> That's when I made it a point to read more, to understand more, to see more. And every time I read, yeah, I know it's covered me new things and it's more interesting than uh, you develop more, then you grow more. And as you grow more, your confidence uh, gets higher as well. And I think, I think that's the cycle. That's, that's the, the growth cycle. I see. So let's fast forward, right? So you became a manager somewhere maybe in the sixth or seventh year. How do you feel? Because you, you as a, a financial planner, you started off as an individual contributor, right? So, but I just very comfortable doing it as an individual contributor role. But then you got pushed into management or being a first-time manager. How do you feel? What were some of the challenges you had? Actually, this thought of uh, becoming manager was there already. But just that, you know, some part of me always felt that I was not competent enough. I was not ready. I, I didn't have much results, you know, on a personal sales, let's say personal advisor level. Lah. So that was my... But now if I look back, I think that it, it may not necessarily be the case because for my case, I've realized that by the time I stabilize things, somehow for me, I find that it's a bit too late because in terms of, let's say, for example, now when I uh, talk to potential teammates, right, they are generally of the younger crowd. They are the undergrads or maybe fresh grads. 
So I could, I could feel that, that, that gap really, you know, you see. Yeah. So that's why now I think for people who are, let's say, considering of building a team that they, they love to nurture people, they love to groom people. Then I would say that, okay, I just start somewhere, then leverage on your seniors. Now I'm still, you know, uh, figuring things out. Like how, how, how do I need for someone? Like when the people is not doing well, how do I empower them? And often I think at the beginning is really about a lot of me telling them what to do. Yeah. And I don't really like that. Ultimately, I'm not their boss. <laughs> this is a collaboration. We are all self-employed. I don't pay you a salary. So we have to work together. Like it's a partnership. Yeah. I think now there's some slight difference. Like last time will be like, you know, I need to do better than my team. But over time I realized that, no, that's not my role. Ma. Like my role now is, uh, of course, I need to set a certain, to me, I need to set a certain minimum standard. But if you can surpass me, please, please go ahead. If I take 10 years to get there, you can take five years. Oh my God. I'm so super proud of you. Yeah. So I think that's becomes what I, how I see things these days. So your framework would be more of being their collaborator rather than yep. just shutting it from top down. And I think one thing that a lot of the managers may not see or recognize is that the team success is your success. Exactly. I think a lot of people move to managers. They like, because they like this feeling of, I get big under the hot sun, that glory, like, wow, I can lead a team and all that. But you don't realize that you're responsible for four to five persons rice bowl. Of course, in, in your case, it's more of, you don't give them a salary, yeah. but a lot of the other professions, right? Like their performance appraisals lies in your hand. You, you don't recognize it. Exactly. And that you, as a new manager, you tend to think like, ah, let me do it on my own. Let me do it on my own. But actually you don't have the time to do it because there are other things that you have to be worried about. And so you need to learn how to delegate and like what you mentioned, empower them to be able to do more and start seeing that again, their success is your success. If they are successful to, mm. you know, clinch that deal, go to what you call the MDRT, for example, you can be very proud of, right? Yeah. But I don't think a lot of managers get that switched from an individual to that kind of collaborative or team as one kind of mindset. Yep. Yep. It takes a while. Like, I think this is like what John Maxwell talks about. There's this five levels of leadership law. So I think that part of empowerment is like at least level three, level four. Yeah. And it's not something that we can just learn it by reading a book. It takes a lot of interactions at self experiential learning. Yeah. But that point from individual to manager, especially I've so I think in my trade, I've also seen like people who are really good at personal sales, like they can clock in in terms of their, their performance is superb. But when they transit to become a manager, it's, it's just a flip side. What What do you think after being a manager for so long? And yes, you look back all this while and, and, and now if you yep. look at it, what is that one key thing that you think it's very important as a manager, as a leader? If there's one thing you can tell the world about it, what would that be? As a manager, it's really important to know your people. For me, I always believe in being on, on the ground. Like no matter, no matter what, what ranks or what tiers that you are at. Like somehow you need to know what's happening on the ground. Yeah. Because, because fundamentally, the people who are doing the work and people who are, you know, getting things done are people on the ground. Like, so sometimes when we set certain planning, strategy work and all those things, and if it just sounds good on theory and it's not going to happen in reality, right, then it defeats the purpose. Second thing is when you are on the ground or when your teams feels that you are putting your best effort to be on the ground, I think they fight better with you. Was there a moment when you were leading a team that you regretted doing a particular thing? Maybe it was a particular feedback. After you say, after you do, you realize that shucks, I, I shouldn't have done it uh, or I could have done it better since that right now I'm managing a team. 
for me, the learning lessons on, on this pie is really on the, the selection process. So at the start, at the beginning, I was not very particular lah, because to me, it's like, well, I know for, if someone says I want to, they want to try a FA. Wow. Yeah. How many people will be like, hey, I want to be an insurance agent. Hey, I want to try this. They want to be a financial planner. It's quite cool. Ah. You know, then for me, in my heart, it's like, okay, come, 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 come. Just come, just come. Then, so in my first few years, I was just doing a lot of that. Then I realized that, oh my God, that's really, especially for new to first-time managers, it's, it's one thing that we should not ever do. Because what happens after that is there's a lot of <laughs> casualties people try, me is not a good fit, character is doesn't, it's, uh, it's not a good fit, personality is not a good fit. Then end up, there's a lot of like repeat, like people join a few months, then leave. I think it's just not very healthy for uh, a team like, in general. Then, mm. But for me, that was a, it's, it's part of a growing up process like, because like, Another school of thought is if you don't try, then how would you, how would you experience all these failures and then how would you learn? Yeah. So, so I think as of now, it's also like when people say, okay, let's say they are keen, then I'll, I, there's a, there's more of a, a certain framework, like maybe a three rounds of interview, two, three rounds, and every round got something to just to, to really check in with them, lah, to see, you know, if this really is something that you, you're serious, are you really want or what? Yeah. Wait. Yeah. I, I, I had the same issue previously as well. I was in one of the startup and I actually brought my friend in. He was working in another startup. I was like, hey, I felt that, no, there's limited growth there. So I felt, no, he should join. But I think back then I was a little bit biased. Like I, I wanted to have him in my team. The other managers were like, I'm not sure though. He's a nice person, but I'm not sure if the interest is there, the skill sets alignment is there. But I was like, no, we can train, we can do it. Long story short, it didn't work out well. I think it strained our friendship unfortunately for a little bit right but right now we are all good okay just to not let y'all know if and if that friend is listening we are all good we we are we are, <laughs> we are bff now we can talk about it very openly that was a learning lesson for him but also at the same time it was a learning lesson for me that's this this hr guru that i i, I literally bow down to her name is patty mccord she was the first chief hr for netflix and she said that recruitment it's not like you are hiring a friend that you can bring to the pub with a lot of the managers, wow, I like this person because we have the, he, he's an ENFJ. I'm also an ENFJ. I'm sure no, we can click a lot or we can go party after work. Yeah, so that's what I used to think as well. Like you need to have someone who can build relationship with. But you know, sometimes work is just work. Sometimes it's more about getting the work done than being able to go party after that. And, and that was when I also realized then, yeah, it's about who can best fit or best match the job expectation and the role. Culture is at the heart of every organization, every business transaction, and every team. Besides the C-suite and the HR, the managers are a critical component to help ensure a healthy and thriving culture for everyone. They hire, they train, they guide, they coach your employees on a daily basis. So they can either make or break your team and the culture. I've worked with many managers and leaders across startups and big organizations and successfully helped them to be more empathetic, and human-centric while driving more engagement and ultimately company's performance. So write to me at upwithjaville at gmail.com or visit the website on my show notes to arrange for a free 30-minute consultation. Right now we go to the third phase, which is you are moving so, I would say, aggressively in the TikTok. Like, I was just doing my homework about you and I was like, wow, you have maybe a couple of TikTok videos like, are like millions views, etc. Help us understand, right? Why is this kind of, you want to move into TikTok? Are you trying to transform your sector, your profession in the way like how people view it, how financial advisory content is being delivered? Give us some sense mm. or deep dive into it. Yep. 
Yeah. So I think, okay. So I think some, the backstory of me getting a TikTok, it's really happened uh, two years back, two years ago, lah, which is like circuit breaker and all those things. And I think that was the moment where all the financial institutions and financial advisors, planners, or agents, it's, really, it's a pinnacle moment because we, we used to, we can only meet people face to face and get contracts on face to face and this online thing, virtual thing was really something very new. Yeah. So then that two months they'll be like, Hey, I, I can choose two ways. Like either I just, you know, give up, uh, I just you know, cruise it and waste it off or I go and explore new things or since anyway at home. Uh, that, then I figured out that, okay, like at home then everyone will be using a phone. And back then I think media wise was consumption was really quite there already. IG, Facebook, LinkedIn. It was just as this TikTok thing is very, very new. So I downloaded, I was like, hey, what's this? Uh? <laughs> I deleted, I did the app. Yeah. The game changing moment was like, I just tried a lot. Okay, well, maybe I search finance, search investments and all those things. Then I was like, oh, okay. There are people making content like that in a educational uh, manner. This is quite cool. Then, then I was like in Singapore, I was thinking that because most of the videos I've seen, they are mostly US based. Yeah. And I think in Singapore, there, there isn't many like at that point of time. Then I was like, okay, I'll try law. Since anyway, three months, month, nothing, just gonna, nothing much to lose lah. Then I will try lor. So I try already. Then what? Well, turns out that not well, it's pretty pretty cool because in terms of the engagement and all those things, like this is like highest. And that video is only like ten seconds, fifteen seconds. That was like ah. Huh? Well, in the past, because in the past I make like you know more serious stuff like two minutes, three minutes. Then do we watch or not? So, then, like, 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 you know, like rather reporting, yeah, very serious. Ah, uh, like, like, it's very serious. Okay, like, you know, the very YouTube kind. Then, uh, okay, today I can talk about this topic, blah, 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 <laughs> you know. To me, I find it boring. Like. Yeah, then for me, my biggest realization is, boom, this is effort-based. It's much, much lower because you can use a phone and it's just 10 seconds, 15 seconds. I saw that traction and I started to do more because uh, I don't think back then in terms of FAs, uh, there's... I'm probably one of the first few. What motivated me to do even more is I think in terms of the financial advisory, financial literacy in Singapore, a lot, this is not something that people will be most passionate about in a sense. Like, yeah. Then I was like, hey, maybe on one side is really to improve the overall financial literacy. On the second side is more of like how people perceive financial advisors of. Because a lot of people, I think they see financial advisors, planners or agents are salespeople or just want to sell the plan and commission. That's it. Then and go already. Yeah. That if so, they have that one friend that messaged you on FB after 10 years and say, yeah, then. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, a lot, a lot of things I, I, I can understand, like, you know, because it's really quite, there's no context, really quite off and, and it's just yeah. me lah. Then, yeah, I was like, okay, I think the only way to bridge this is then that's when FAs has to start creating value to people first. Yeah. You don't expect someone like 10 years of me, they meet you, they, they want to get something from you and it just don't make sense. Yeah. So I was thinking the only way to create value is content lor. yeah so 10 people watch 100 people watch 1000 people watch or 10,000 people watch or whatever what I like about Willis story is that you breathe that second uh, uh, fresh air and life to it and taking charge of your own profession and say what more can I do about it because I, I think career no longer is just very dull or it's just like pathway like you can actually do a lot more with it right say you you could be an accountant or you could be a psychologist and I see a lot of people in those professions actually also using TikTok or any other social media to share their knowledge. So I guess to all the listeners out there or uh, to those who are watching this, if you think that your job right now is very boring, maybe it's, think about it. Maybe there are just other more creative ways to make it a little bit better and uh, make it a bit more fun. And who knows, you you may be an, a great TikTok influencer out of like for your specific area, right? So Willis, what's your, what's your, plans ahead. What I, what I do want is really because I realized in the financial advisory space, like there's a lot of media companies, right? That let's say ASCAC 
uh, many other companies, right? They, what they are doing is actually they, they have changed advertising these days. Uh, it's not straight, like straight in your face. Okay, we got this product. It's really some like a mini drama, then story plot kind of thing. Yeah. A story plot, right? Yeah. So then, so I think the plan says, uh, I, I think this is very interesting and I will like bring it to the FA space to create that because fundamentally, you see, I think a lot of advisors, we have a lot of conversations with people like on one-to-one setting, families and all those things, but People that knows are only the FA and probably the clients and the people around the clients. That's all. Yeah. But if I can use uh, some of these conversations and uh, replicate it into uh, things of skill, which is like a drama, then you know to, to convey a certain point, I think that will be something that's pretty cool. I just want to be the pioneer in this space. Yeah. Okay. I do look forward if you have some mini series. I can bring coffee. I can just be a a stranger, <laughs> flower on the background. <laughs> Give me the limelight, bro. Yeah, so so, so happy to have you, Willis, to share with us so much. Um, no problem. Now we're going to go to what I call the quick fire round. Okay. Okay, you ready? <laughs> I try, yeah. Your favorite local food? Hokkien Mee. Which country would you want to go or you like the most? Switzerland, Switzerland, Switzerland. Yeah, I've not been there. Okay. You read a lot of books. So what is... That one book that you really love. It. it will be a book that I read recently, la, Surrounded by Setbacks by Thomas Erickson. Yeah, because that really, uh, yeah, I think it's re- it really frames how we deal with yeah, setbacks and stuff in terms of the thoughts and all those things. La. Yeah. What's the craziest thing you've ever done, maybe your younger <laughs> day? And now you look back at it, it's okay. That was crazy. Craziest thing, uh, I think, I think it's really for me, is skydiving. La, because I, I really have immense fear for heights, free falls, and all those things. Like, oh my god. That's why we are bros. That's why I, Yeah. Is it? Is yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to have difficulty Anyone? crossing the bridge. What is that one thing you value in life the most? I think it's really having that ability to be a better person each day. Yeah. It may sound very like, you know, the, <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, cliche and all those things, but essentially, you see, uh, like, I think we are blessed. Like, when we say we are blessed, what, what I mean by that is, I think we are in a country that at least focuses enough on basic education. Or, or I would say basic, I would say, okay, actually, our focus is quite high, but I see, as compared to people, you know, in other countries, our average education level is really high. Like, at least we can read a book, you know, understand video clip and all those things. And I think that helps a lot in when it comes to self-learning. Yeah. What is that? advice you ever received that maybe you disagree or you agree you like or you dislike and the whole world needs to listen to i think there's this wise man that tells me this thing in life we need to learn how to differentiate between opinions and advice so what it means to say that is a lot of people around us are constantly saying a lot of things to us like yeah so sometimes if we are not careful you take their opinions as advice and you happen to take someone's advice as opinions, then we are literally uh, screwed up. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, that, that has been very impactful because so now when someone shared with me this, right, I always will ask them, okay, have you done this before? Uh, where do you hear this from? And all those things, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And if they say, I know, no, no, I hear, say, and all this, then I'll be, okay, I'll just be more mindful of that, that these are just their personal opinions. And if I really want to find out more, Talk to someone who is, has done it before or talk to someone who is in that space. And I think in the world of media and noises, like, I think this is something that we have to be very mindful of. Yeah. 
I, I love it. Thank you so much, Release, for sharing us so much. I, I really love you talked about how you, again, uh, breathe a second breath into your role and how you stay throughout this profession. I mean, your first job, regardless which profession, and how you go about managing teams, especially when you become a first-time manager, sharing your struggles and, and some of the learning points. So really, thank you so much, Release, for being on the show. No problem. Thank you so much. It's my honor la, to be part of this show. Cool beans. Thank you so much, Release. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy it and have learned so much to level up your career and your workplace. I hope you can continue to support my work to impact more people and organizations to level up your leadership, culture, and performance. You can support me by giving reviews or subscribing to this podcast, share any memorable episode on your social media with your peers, or pledge a little token on Patreon. All the details can be found in the show notes below. I greatly appreciate your support, and I'll catch you next time in the Career Lounge.